You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. God is wanting to guide us. We've kind of established that, but we keep putting it out there. I think it's one of those things you have to keep hearing over and over again because he's a God that's really interested in the finite details of our life. At one point, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said, consider the lilies. He said, think about the lilies. Think about the flowers. Think about the, the birds. And if you ever just picked up a flower... Aren't you blown away by the detail that there is in the flowers? There's just such fine detail. God is interested in the details. He said, you are of more value than those flowers. God is interested in the minute details of your life. Your mom might not be that interested. Your boss might not be that interested. Even your spouse or your children might not be that interested. But I want you to know this morning, God is really interested in every little detail of your life. He designed this universe down to the finest detail, and you are his crowning creation, and he's very interested in the little details of your life, and he wants to guide you in the little details of your life. We sometimes think, well, I don't want to bother God with that. It bothers God when you don't bother him. He's very interested when you ask him. He says, ask, seek, knock. I am interested in the very little details of your life. Have you ever wished that you could get a GPS system for life? You know, you get a GPS system in your vehicle. But you ever wish you could have a GPS system for life? There was a Saskatchewan farmer, and he went down to Miami. He had never driven anywhere except on the grid roads of the prairies. And if you've ever driven on the prairies, every, every mile has got another mile intersection. It's really easy to figure out where you are. It's one mile, and then there's another field. One mile, there's another field. You can pretty well track where you are because it's laid out in nice mile blocks, and it's pretty easy. Well, he went down to Miami, and he got into Miami, and he landed there, and uh, he was going to visit some relatives or some friends or somebody there, and he went to rent his car, rented his car and the person behind the desk said you know would you would you like to have a gps system with that he's oh you know and i i think i'm all right i don't need a gps system and and they began to explain the benefits of that gps system. you know all the maps are there and all the roads are there and where to turn and and he said well i'm not sure i could watch that and drive at the same time and that's a valid point and they said oh no worries you know as you're going along there will be a a lady will come on and she'll just say turn here turn there he says that's it i'm not taking it so why not take it? So that's the last thing I need is another woman telling me to return in my car. And so he decided not to take it. <laughs> GPS. It'd be nice if we had a, a GPS system for life. But really we do. God sent the Holy Spirit to be our guide through life. So this morning I want to go through a few points. And we're just going there. Bullet points run through how God guides us in our lives. Understanding his guidance system. When you get a GPS in your in your vehicle, you've got to kind of take some time to figure out how it works. And uh, if you don't take time to figure out how it works, it really is no benefit having it. There was uh, an award that was given out a few years, well, given out every year, but this guy won it in 2008. It's the Darwin Award. Has anybody ever heard of the Darwin Awards? A couple of you have. The Darwin Award is given to you if you do the human race a favor and remove your gene from the gene pool because you've eliminated yourself. It's kind of a, a goofy award. And uh, so you really don't want to win the Darwin Award is what I'm saying. This individual was a priest from Brazil, and he decided to raise some money for 
truckers. He wanted to build a truck stop for them. And so what he decided to do was take 1,000 party balloons, and he was going to tie them to a chair, a floatable chair, mind you. And then he was going to float in the air from one city to another city, about 400 miles. So he got 400 or 1,000. You can, you can Google it and see a picture of it. He got 1,000 balloons, bright-colored balloons, filled them up with helium, and he let go of the chair. Now, he was prepared. They asked him, is he okay? Do you think this is going to work? And they said, he's very prepared. He had a parachute, and he was an accomplished para, uh, paratrooper. He could, he could use a parachute okay. And uh, he had uh, a cell phone with him. Uh, not just any cell phone. He had a, a, a satellite cell phone that would work at any place, any altitude. So he had a cell phone with him. He had a, his chair was floatable. It, it, it could float as well. Uh, he had a number of things. He also had a GPS system. Well, he floated to 20,000 feet, and then he began to descend. That, that would be, that takes a lot of courage to float up with balloons at 20,000 feet. I was thinking about that. Man, you, you really got a lot of courage. He still he floated to 20,000 feet, and he began, the problem was the winds took him the wrong way. It didn't take him to the city. It took him out towards the ocean, and then he dropped to 8,000 feet, and he called them, and they said, well, where are you? And he says, well, I... I'm trying to figure out how this GPS worked. He had gone up in this chair, but he never took time to learn how the GPS system worked. And as a result, today he's in heaven. (laughs) Kind of a sad story. But he never took time to learn how the GPS system works. And it all there. And as believers, we need to learn how God's GPS system works. GPS is global positioning satellites or satellite. And I think God has a positioning system. He will guide us. But this morning, we're going to learn how our GPS works, a few points on how it works. And if he had taken time to learn how his GPS worked, it would have been better for him. So number one, I'll go through eight points this morning. So we're just going to tick them off as we go along. Number one, acknowledge God wants to guide you. Psalm 46, verse 10, out of the message Bible says this, step out of the traffic. In the other version it says, be still and know that I'm God. Step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. In order for you to work a GPS system, you really shouldn't be starting it up while you're in traffic. It's kind of good to get that thing going before you launch into traffic. It's the same way with us. If we want God to guide us, we're going to have to step out of the traffic, say, okay, God, guide my life, and know that he wants to guide our lives. In Psalm 91, verse 15, it says, When they call on me, I will answer. When they call on me, I will answer. God is going to answer. Like I said earlier, he's concerned about the flowers. He's concerned about the birds. But he made it very clear, you are of much more value than they are. So when you call, he's going to answer. I'll be with them in trouble. I'll rescue them, and I'm going to honor them. So we've covered that, but we put it down there again. God wants to guide us. Number two, you have to have an honest heart. If you want God to speak and guide you and want to be able to hear him, you have to have an honest heart. Psalm 51 verse 6 says this, But you desire honesty from the heart. Another translation says you desire truth from the heart. Then it goes on to say, so you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being, in your heart, where God guides you. He's a spirit. He guides you in your spirit. And if you want God to speak to you, you must be honest with him. 
If you want a GPS system to work, you've got to be honest with it. If you deny it, I have a little cell phone application. Maybe you have it on your cell phone too, the, the Maps application on my iPhone. And I can press a button. It's so cool. You press this little button, you got a little blue dot shows up, and it shows you exactly where you are. First time I tried that, I was, I was amazed walking down the streets. I'm going to try this. I press it, and it tracked me walking down Georgia Street. <laughs> That's too amazing. Well, who else is tracking me? But, you know, it, it was so accurate. But what a, and then my iPhone application, I can say, you know, this is where I am now, but I want to go over to this spot. And I can type in the address that I want to go to, and it'll give me the best route to that place. It's very handy for us when we're traveling. We, we both use it a lot, Cheryl and I, when we want to go somewhere. We'll just take out our iPhone. So what's the best route to get there? Now, what would happen if it says the blue dot's there? That's where you are. You say, no, no, that's not where I am. I'm over here. You deny where you are. Well, all the instructions wouldn't help you at all. And if we're not honest with God, we're just denying where we're at. And it's very difficult for God to give you instructions. The, the map doesn't work if you deny where you're at with God. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. Now, here's a hard lesson from a woman in the book of Matthew and Mark. Both Matthew and Mark record her story. She was living, living in what today would be close to Beirut, Lebanon. This is where she lived. So she's outside of where Jesus normally was. Jesus is getting away. He wanted to go to a quiet place. He was, wanted to get a break. And so he headed up north along the Mediterranean Ocean. And he heads up north there, wanting to get away. But he runs into this lady who's got a daughter who's demon-possessed. This lady is desperate for help. And it says that she was a woman of Canaan. Canaan was, that, at that time would have been Lebanon or today Syria. That's where she was from. And she comes to him. And she cries out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. I have that verse in your notes there. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But then I underline the next sentence for you because it's quite surprising. Because it says here, he answered her, not a word. You see, well, I just read that if I cry out to God, he will answer me. Why doesn't God answer? Why doesn't Jesus answer? Sounds like Jesus is being very rude because he's not answering her a word. The reason he does not answer her is because she is not honest with God. She was not a Jew. She was pretending to be one. She's saying, have mercy upon me, O Lord, son of David. And if you study out this passage, she was pretending to be something she was. And she said, well, if I act, if I pretend to be, I know I recognize his dress. I recognize where he's from. He's a Jew. If I pretend to be that, then he'll help me. But when you pretend to be something you're not, and you're not honest with God, you're not going to hear from him. He's not going to answer you. Folks, the best thing we can do if we want to hear God and have him guide us is be honest with him. Just get honest in front of him. Say, God, this is what happened. This is where I am. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on in my life because you see it all anyhow. Then we hear God speak to us. But when we try to cover up stuff, we're not totally honest with him. He answers us not a word. Jesus responds to her quite sharply if you read the passage. And when you read it, you think, man, that's kind of hard, Jesus. It's not. He's unmasking her deceit so she can get honest and truthful. Because if you study out the passage, the next thing she says, true, Lord, true. She gets truth. She gets honesty in her heart. 
And then Jesus says to one of two people in the Bible, great is your faith. He responds with amazing love. The whole thing's amazing love. Sometimes the Lord can kind of arrest our attention because he wants us to be honest with him so that he can lead us. That's a really important point. Number three, God, uh, number three, quiet your thoughts and your emotions. If we want to hear God speak to us, we have to quiet our thoughts and our emotions. He said, well, I, I thought you said the other week, Pastor, that if I was in a subway or if I was in the sky train or if I was in my car or in a boardroom, God would speak to me. He will speak to you in those situations. However, this is important. However, if you have not developed an intimate relationship with him in those quiet moments, you will find it very hard to hear him on the sky train, in your boardroom, at a family meeting. You'll find it hard to hear him in those places because that intimate relationship has not been developed in the quiet moments. There was a boy standing on the fourth level balcony of a building. The building's on fire. The firemen are down below. No way to rescue him. Fire's all around. And he's standing on the balcony. They got one of those big, looks like a trampoline. I don't know what it's called, but they asked him to jump into it. And they're saying, jump, jump. Come on, son, jump. They're just encouraging the young boy to jump. He's paralyzed with fear. Fire's around him. The only way to save the boys, he needs to jump. I guess they didn't have a ladder. I don't know all the story. But anyhow, there he is, and they're telling him to jump. All of a sudden, there's another man in the crowd, and he steps to the front, pushes away to the front, and he says, jump, son. The same thing they've been saying, and immediately the boy jumps. They looked at him and said, who are you? We've been trying to get him to jump for the last 10 minutes. He wouldn't jump. He says, I'm his dad. He knew that voice. And it's the same way with our relationship with God. When we have this intimate relationship with him, then in the hectic moments, we'll hear his voice. Even Jesus, it says here in your notes, uh, Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often, if you like, circle the word often. He often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now, if our Lord had to often get away, how much more will we have to also? We are not above our master. If Jesus often got away, we too must get away. It's in those quiet moments, in those times where we quiet our mind, that it really prepares us to hear him. And as we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, some of us can be in nature, in wilderness, literally, and that's really good for us. For the next person we need have our senses stimulated. Elijah, it says in 2 Kings 3.15, Elijah called for a harpist to play while he sought God. He, he wanted some music on while he sought God. If you, if you like music on while you seek God, there's a good verse for you. He, he wanted the music on, and then it says God came and spoke to him, and the Lord came upon him, and he was able to know what to do. But that quiet moment of getting away, and just being still, quieting our mind, now, here's something that I've learned that helped me, and you may want to use it as well. Just, these are just little tips. But sometimes when I'm going to pray, my mind is just darting from subject to subject, and it feels like I get a real clear to-do list when I go to pray. Oh, if you just go do this. And what really is happening is my, I'm being distracted from the primary thing to do something that's important, but not as important as praying. So I'll just get out a pen and I thought, oh, comes, you know, I need to wash the car today, for example. I'll just write it down and then it's gone. It doesn't come back again. And I just kind of dismiss them. 
And after I do maybe 10 of them, it stops. And my mind becomes quiet. In order to hear your spirit, you have to quiet your body. So get comfortable. And you have to quiet your mind. One of the things that we've found to work really well for us to quiet our mind is to pray in the spirit. Paul said, I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray with understanding. I'll pray in an unknown tongue and I'll pray in the spirit. He said, when I pray in tongues, my mind is quieted. My mind is unfruitful. I'm focusing on my spirit. And I found that when we pray in the spirit, so it's a very private thing. It's not just private. Sometimes it's public. But for the most part, it's a private thing. And when I pray in the spirit, I just find that my, my mind quiets down. And I can really zone in on what God's saying in my spirit. So, man, I'd like to learn more about that. That sounds amazing. Because when you pray in tongues, you pray, it says, mysteries, divine secrets. It's a powerful gift God gave to the church. And he said, man, I'd like to learn more about that. Come on November 14th. It's the Holy Spirit Day. Nicky Gumbel does one of the best jobs of, of speaking on. He, he teaches the importance of that. And so I'd encourage you to come that day. That's another little uh, tidbit we found. Writing things down, praying in the Spirit, getting quiet. These are the things that help us quiet our thoughts and emotions. In Habakkuk 2 verse 1 it says, I will climb up into my watchtower now. And wait. If you like, circle the word wait. I will wait to see what the Lord will say to me. Wait. Wait, it takes time. It doesn't, you don't always quiet your mind in a moment. We kind of like just, everything we do is we put, you know, on our calendar, it's from 8 to 8.30, from 8.30 to 9. We, we break up our day in these little time slots. And we, do, we tend to do that also with our time with the Lord. Okay, I'll give you from, from 6.30 to 6.45. And we kind of give God these time slots. It's good in our life at times not to put a beginning, end, a beginning and ending time just to be with him. It could be five minutes. It could be 35 minutes. In your relationships, isn't it true some of your best times are when you lost track of time? Those were some of your best times with a friend. You just lost track of time. We need those moments with God. Then number four, let God give you a mental picture. God's voice is often visual. Some of us are visual learners. They say 50 to 70% of people are visual learners. Well, if we're visual learners, guess what? God would speak to us in pictures. That's one of the ways he communicates. Now, I know you can get in a ditch on it, but there's a healthy use for your imagination. You can go sideways on it. I understand that. But God often will speak in pictures. Habakkuk 2 verse 1, it says, it's an interesting verse. I will look to see, this is of the NIV, I will look to see what he will say to me. I will look to what he will We've got eyes and ears involved here. I will look to what he will say to me. Sometimes God will speak to you in pictures. And it's a powerful way for him to communicate to you, for him to lead you. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, And that having the eyes of your heart. Remember we talked about you got, you got spiritual ears. What kind of ears? Mickey Mouse ears. We've got to do it one last time because we've done it every Sunday. We've got to do it this Sunday as well. Look at your neighbor and say, You have got Mickey Mouse spiritual ears. <laughs> well, as much as you got Mickey Mouse spiritual ears, 
You also have big eyes in your spirit. And he speaks to you, but he also shows you things. In Ephesians, that's why he said, and that you having the eyes of your heart, doesn't say eyes of your head, not your natural eyes, eyes of your heart, full of light, you have knowledge of what is the hope of his purpose. Paul was praying that their eyes would be opened up to see their purpose. God wants to reveal purpose, direction in your life, and pray, God, open up my eyes to see what you want to show me. The number five, record what God is revealing to you. Write it down. Clarity comes as you write. Mm. Something about it, because you can feel God speaking to you. He's given a picture of something you need to do. But when you take it and you actually write it down, there's a, a, a tremendous process when it goes from here to paper. And Habakkuk said, I was standing on the wall, I was looking, I was waiting. What, God, what are you going to say to me? And when he spoke to me, I wrote it down. God says, write it down, make it clear that those who read it can run with it. And one of the benefits of writing down what God's saying to you is it helps us to learn when it was God speaking to us. Because frankly, we're all on a learning curve. And as we mature and grow in our Christian life, we'll hear his voice clearer and clearer. And one of the good ways to learn that is when you feel God spoke to you, write it down. Journal it. He said, can I pray and write at the same time? Of course you can. Sometimes I wonder, can, is it unspiritual to do that? No, it's a very spiritual thing. How do you think the Bible came about? They were in communication with God and they wrote. Likewise, we can write down as God speaking to us. We can say, you know what? This is what you're saying, Lord. I feel you're saying this to me. We'll come back to, you know what? Sometimes we come back. I don't know if that, I, I don't know if that was God because... I look back on it now, and it helps us to hear his voice, to tune in to him. So it's important to record, to write things down as he speaks to us. Uh, helps you focus as well. Number six, another point on hearing his voice, following him, tuning in, is change your thinking. The word you want to put in there is thinking. Follow the instructions, even when it doesn't make sense. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it's in your notes. It's a good verse to follow along. So dear brothers and sisters, so he'd be speaking to us, the church, brothers and sisters, he's speaking to us. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by the, changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Now, let me make a really important point here. We sometimes have this opinion that what I do with my body will not affect my mind or my heart. That is so wrong. What you do with your body will affect your mind and it will affect your heart. Paul is pleading here, really, in some other translation, it comes out stronger. I plead you. One says, I beseech you. He says, God's got a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life. Paul is emphatically saying, I'm pleading with you. Be careful what you do with your body. You think it has no effect on the rest of your life. You're wrong. You will not know what God wants you to do because you don't control your body. You let it do whatever it wants to do. You live by if it feels good, do it. And you don't realize it's stifling you hearing God. 
Keep this thing under subjection. You are not designed to be led by everything your body wants. You were designed to be led by your spirit, not your body. Your body will get you to a ditch every time. Rule that thing. Say, no, you don't rule my life. My spirit rules, not this flesh. Keep it under subjection. It's a sacrifice. He says, I know it's a living sacrifice. But when we do that, it's much easier to hear God. And then he says, change the way you think. I've underlined it there in that verse for you. Changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. If we're not thinking God thoughts, last week we talked about God's thoughts, higher thoughts lead to higher life. Where we place our mind is very key to hearing God lead and direct our lives. This is so important. Why? Because every one of us here today God's got an amazing plan for your life. You were designed to leave a legacy. You were designed to make a huge impact on this planet while you're here. There is something huge for every life to do. And our shepherd, our Lord says, I want to guide you. I want to direct you. And my spirit is your GPS system. I'll guide you through it. But if you don't watch what comes into your mind, it's going to affect your ability for me speaking into your life. So Paul's very strong here. Change the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. People come up. I don't know what God wants me to do. I can't hear God. Well, let me ask you questions. Maybe a hard question. But what are you doing with your body? And what are you doing with your mind? If you're letting it do whatever it wants to do. It's no wonder you're confused and can't hear God. You've got to keep it under subjection. So that's number six. Very key for hearing God. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. How does a GPS system work? It sets its coordinates on the things above. Without the satellites, GPS doesn't work. When the satellites go down, the GPS goes down. Aren't you glad God's not going down? He's going he's to stay operating. And so just as a GPS has to set on its sights above, we also have to set our mind on the things above. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Folks, these are spiritual principles that just flat out work. You do them, they work. It's not not difficult to hear God's voice. It's not difficult to operate a GPS system. It just takes a little bit of time, some instructions, and it works. It's a lot of fun. I was, first time I used this GPS system, and uh, I was driving along. Maybe you've done this. I, I was driving along. And I was going from here to North Shore or to West Van. And uh, I, so I've been to this place before, but I just thought I'd try it out. And I wasn't quite sure where it was. I had an idea. It's been a few years since I was there. So I'm driving along and I punched my address in and it said, turn here. I said, no, 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 that's not right. That's not the best route. I know the best route. And so I said, I don't think there's even a road there. And so I kept driving. And it says, make your turn here. Recalculate it for me. Aren't you glad God recalculates when you don't do it? Sometimes we don't take the turn when he tells us to. He doesn't say, that's it. I'm here. You know, more instruction. No, he just recalculates. He says, okay, we've got to recalculate your position. But here's the next row. So I ignored the next row. I said, no, I know it's this exit. This is the right one. And, you know, I was so busy arguing in my mind with the GPS system that I missed my turn off. Ah, oh, I had to turn around, come back. But I was amazed. This thing would just keep recalibrating because I missed it. It's okay, well, now I'll take this one. And sometimes we miss it with God. Aren't you glad for his grace? He just goes back and recalculates. Okay, well, you missed that turn, so you're going to have to take this turn. 
Sometimes it's just, you know what, dead end, you turn, go back. And God's like that. It, you know, if you want to compare him to a GPS system, there are some similarities. Number seven, don't dabble in sin. Stay on the charted course, avoid distractions. James 4, verse 8, we can give a lot of scriptures on this. Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. He'll be there in no time. But then he goes on to say, quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. This is the message Bible. Now, we all sin. We do. We mess up. We make mistakes. But the Bible specifically will talk about habitual sins. Stuff we know better, but we just kind of dabble in it. We go there. God already has talked to us about us, talked to us about it, but we keep dabbling in it. It will cloud your mind. It clouds your spirit. It, it, it makes it foggy. And you know what to do. As we're talking about this morning, you think, hmm, uh, there's something that I should probably just quit dabbling in. If you would quit dabbling in it, it would clear up. The fog would lift. You'd hear his voice clearer. Quit dabbling in sin. Say yes to God. He'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Important point. First Thessalonians five nineteen, And I, I, I just also put it in verse 22 because they're connected. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. You can quench or stifle the Holy Spirit speaking to you. One of the ways is by not keeping away from every kind of evil. The Bible instructs us to flee from the presence of evil. It doesn't, it doesn't say, see where there's evil and see how close you can get to the edge without falling in. No, it says to flee from it. And that's a good way to tune in to God. The number eight is get input from others on big decisions. The word you want to put in is big decisions. Input from others on big decisions. Now, counsel from others... Not every decision, because quite frankly, not everybody's interested in every little decision in your life. God is. God's interested in every detail. But others aren't that interested in every detail of your life. But if you have a big decision to make, do I change from this job to that job? Do I go to this school, that school? Big decisions in life. Do I buy this house or that house? I was praying, and I really felt impressed that I should move from here to another country. Those you should get counsel on. Can you... Give me your feedback. I was praying, and this is what I felt God was saying to me. Can you, you know me well. I want to bounce this off you. Can you pray with me? What, what are your thoughts on that? Now, counsel doesn't necessarily give direction, but it can help clarify direction. So it's good to get counsel from others on big decisions that you're making, especially within the church that know you or within your family that know you. Proverbs 20, verse 18, plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war. So in our decisions, in our leading that God is giving to us, especially on big ones, check with others. You know, I feel God saying this to me. What do you think? Eight simple points there on how to operate a GPS system from God. And if we'll do it, God really does want to guide and direct our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.